Mr. Bell, Mr. Bell, Mr. Bell. Brother Michael, I love you. I, I appreciate so much your love for our student ministry. And uh, I want to thank you for the times you have made me laugh and cry. I've been laughing so hard. The Bible says that laughter is a great medicine. And if you don't have that prescription, spend a little time with Brother Michael and he'll fill you up. I love you. I thank you for what God, I thank God for what he's doing in your life. Please come, share what the Lord's laid on your heart, and let's give him a warm welcome this morning. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Brother Steve. Um, I did not get the memo to wear a vest, though, but we have the same shirt on. But I did not get the memo to wear the vest. Um, well, good morning. I am Michael Bell. I live in the big metro of Enigma, Georgia. Y'all know where that is. It's where people still wave at you when you go down the road. I'm like, the first time they did it, I'm like, what? They're waving? Um, but they, they do wave a lot. Brother Steve, you bless my heart every week. You know that. I love it because you always tell the truth. You always speak the truth. I've never had to come to you and say, are you sure about that? You always speak the truth. Well, I want to share three things with y'all today. I want to, three ministries that I love, that I've been involved in. First of all, Awana, and you did mention Sunday school, Brother Steve, and I'll tell y'all about my Sunday school class in a minute, but anyway. Awana, Ignite 316, which is an after-school program that I work with, and also the Dream Center in Los Angeles. I shared with the, um, the women of the church a few months ago about the Dream Center, so that I couldn't remember what they were called. So I asked Diane last week, I said, Diane, what are y'all called? She goes, Baptist women. I'm like, well, that makes sense. Since you're Baptist and you're women, I mean, that's, that's a good thing to be called. All right, so anyway, first Awana. I just want to thank everybody who works in Awana. I'm going to tell you, I don't mean to say this I don't mean to talk about these ministries because, ooh, Michael Bell does this, but I want you, if it plants a seed in your heart to get involved, that's great, you know, with one of these ministries. So it's not about me. Please, it's not about me. But anyway, so I want to share about Awana. Thanks to all the Awana leaders. Thanks to um, Ma D because I, I, there's just something about those Sunday night meals. I just don't know what it is, but I have to, like, splurge and eat. Even a peanut butter sandwich, it just tastes different. One week in Sunday school, I got to end now. I got to end with the, with the meals. Um, your little granddaughter, your little granddaughter said, um, Ellie said, I said, what are we having tonight? She goes, Paschetti. She goes, Ma D makes the best Paschetti. I'm like, I cannot wait. So thank you. Thank you to Dot and Brittany for keeping us straight. Thank you to... Um, Steve Tucker, who is a preacher, they say that in a ministry, if the preacher's behind it, it's successful. He, he's like 3,000% behind it. Thank you, Dot, for keeping us straight. And thank you, especially to Steve Cadwell. I was going to say this even before you got up here, okay? I promise you I was. Steve Cadwell, you can never talk about children unless he starts tearing up and starts, like, crying because his heart is for children and, and for people, and, and I just love that. All right, so that's Awana. Thank y'all. I tell y'all that story because here's how important you are. Um, when I worked in North Georgia at Awana, I worked in an Awana club that met on Wednesday nights, and there was a little girl, Lily, that was, she wasn't in my class. I was not her leader, but she was in Awana, and she came every Wednesday night. Her grandparents brought her. Her grandparents did not go to church. So one day, now Lily is the kind that would, You'd see her swinging from the chandeliers like a monkey, right? She would, you know those gym posts that you can climb? You can put your legs and climb up. 
That was Lily. She would be swinging from the chandeliers. Well, one day, Lily wasn't there, and I said, asked her leader, I said, where's Lily? He said, well, Lily had, she um, passed away this week, and the mission, our one missionary at the funeral home said, um, the grandparent came up to her with tears in his eyes. Now, remember, he's unchurched. The grandmother's unchurched. But they bring Lily to Awana every Wednesday night. He said, Lily had an accident this week, and she, she died. Something about her heart, falling out of a swing. I don't know all the details, but Lily is in heaven. And he said, now, this is why it's so important to you guys. He said, because of an Awana leader talking to her about Jesus, Lily accepted Christ at Awana one week. And Lily came home and told us exactly what that meant and that she, if something were to happen to her, she would be in heaven six years old. Now, tell me God doesn't not work in Awana. Okay? I know it's just a program, but we do preach the gospel in Awana. Um, the second thing I want to tell you all about is Ignite 316. So when we first moved to Valdosta nine years ago, almost nine years ago, I'm driving in Tallahassee for, you know, I'm already involved in our big church in Valdosta, you know, and I hear this radio commercial on Faith Radio that said, do you want to work in children's ministry? Yes. Do you want to do an after-school program at a public school? Yes. Do you want to see children saved? Yes. So I thought, I pulled over. I think I pulled over because, you know, you're not supposed to do this and drive and all that stuff, but... (laughs) Y'all, I'm just going to confess, I do it. All right, so um, I called this lady in Atlanta. That's where the office was. I got the number, called her. And for those of us that watch the Beverly Hillbillies, do y'all remember Miss Jane and how she was always stern and firm? So I get this lady on the phone, and I'm like babbling. She's probably thinking, what an idiot. I, I said, this is Michael Bell. I live in Valdosta, Georgia. And I heard, it, I heard your um, advertisement on the radio and I want to do this. I said, I know God is leading me to do this. She goes, oh, great. And she started, I could see her writing down stuff, you know. And then I told her, I said, Miss um, Jane, I mean, Mona, I said, Mona, I said, there's two things you need to know. I just moved to Valdosta, and I know nobody. She goes, have you ever seen, like, a helium balloon that you let, like, the air out of, like, you didn't tie it, and it goes flying through the air and crashes? That was me. And I thought, she goes, okay, I'll get in touch with you. So, Anyway, I thought, well, that worked good. So I literally pulled off the side of the road, and I told God, I said, you know, God, if this is going to work, it's going to have to be you because I, I know nobody here. I, know, I don't even know who to approach. So anyway, th- this is no lie. You can call Lee Jordan, who I'm ta- going to talk about, and you can ask her this story, and she will tell you verbatim. So about a month later, Miss Jane, I mean, Mona called me, and she said, Michael, are you sitting down? And what I wanted to say was, you hear the car in the background. No, I'm driving down the road standing on my head, Mona. I mean, so anyway, she goes, she goes, I got to tell you something. I said, what? She goes, exciting news. I said, what? She goes, this crazy lady, probably like you, has called me from Valdosta, Georgia, and she has the same vision that you have. And I said, you got to be kidding. She goes, no. She goes, her, she's an attorney. Her husband's an attorney, um, Katie. Um, <laughs> And they live in the middle of Valdosta, and they know everybody. And I thought, you have got to be kidding. So I'll bullet point, but Lee had a meeting for several churches. Our church decided not to do it, but I met the preacher of her church that day at Woodstack Barbecue in Valdosta, Georgia. And she said, not he, she, but he, he said, I said, if, if y'all decide to do this, can I do it with y'all? And he said, absolutely. So 
Fast forward seven years, we have been in a public school after school from 3.30 to 4.30. Here's what a club looks like. We go in, we take prayer requests, we give them a snack because, you know, they've been in school all day. We have 113 kids registered. We usually average about 90 a week because of sports, activities, et cetera. Um, then we have music. And then, and I got to remember something about the music teacher in the minute, Allison. Um, the, we have music, and then we do a Bible lesson, and then we do um, review. And I get to do the review because I bribe them with candy. But anyway, um, so kids love candy, right? So last year, we saw 63 kids trust Jesus as their Savior. And it's not just come forward and say a prayer. I drill those kids, like drill, drill those kids, just like I do my Sunday school class. Um, they're going to know and they're going to understand what it means to be a Christian, not just come and say a prayer. Well, anyway, um, so we, we've done this, what, I, what did I say, seven years now, and all the kids that have been saved, and not only that, but the kids that have grown up in this program. Like, you got to understand, we go through K through fifth grade. We've, had, we've seen kids graduate, and I remember this little girl named Kamaya one week. She goes, I had a couple of kids in my group that were um, from big churches, the biggest church in Valdosta, and their, their, their fathers were on ministry there, and they would come to church and talk about, but they wanted them to know more about God, so that's why they sent them. So they would come and talk about church. Well, one week this little girl named Kamaya came in, and Kamaya was in my group for two years, and she looked up at me with tears in her eyes, and she goes, Mr. Michael, I don't have a church. And I'm thinking, oh, God, help me with the answer to this. And so I sat there, and I thought, I looked at her, and I said, you know what, Kamaya, this is your church. I said, we do everything at Ignite 316 that we do in church. We pray, we have Bible study, we sing. This is your church. She had the biggest smile on her face, like, this is my church. So... I tell y'all that because if y'all know anybody in education, you want to get it started here in Tifton, I can get you with a person that can help you and get that, you know, done. But anyway, what else do we want to talk about? The Dream Center. Okay, so a friend of mine in Mississippi that I worked with for 30 years. Yeah, I know. Y'all think I'm old, but anyway. Um, we worked together for 30 years. She kept telling me, you got to do this. You got to do this. So four years ago, I went to Los Angeles to the Dream Center. The Dream Center was started in 1994 by Matthew Barnett. He was going to be a preacher. His daddy was a preacher, a very successful preacher in Los Angeles. Well, he wanted to be a preacher too. I mean, his daddy wanted him to be a preacher. Well, Matthew Barnett said, you know, this is just really not my calling. But he saw all the drugs. He saw 75,000 homeless people in Los Angeles. He saw all the prostitution that was going on, all the kids being abandoned. And he said, you know, this is what I want to do. So there was a Catholic hospital for sale. Y'all, this story right here. There was a Catholic hospital for sale. It was like, I think, 13, 16 million. Now, understand, this hospital is huge, all right? It overlooks Los Angeles. It overlooks Beverly Hills. It overlooks Hollywood. And you can even see the Hollywood sign from the rooms that we stay in. It's not the Hilton, y'all. We have sleeping bunk beds. But anyway, um, so anyway, so... He, he went to the nuns who were selling the hospital and said, I want to buy this hospital. I want to make an offer. He offered, now understand it was going to sell for $16 million. It had offers for that. He said, I can offer $3 million. Well, this is to tell you this is God's plan for that place. They took it. 
he couldn't believe it. He goes, I still don't have $3 million, but anyway, I guess he got financing and support and raised the money to buy it. But, um, I mean, it'd be like coming up with $16 million. But he bought it. They have about 19 ministries that they do out of that. They help veterans. They help folks on drugs. And I'm going to say this before I forget. If you know somebody that deals with alcohol or drugs and they just can't kick it, if, if you know somebody like that, I know I've had that in my family before, um, have them contact the Green Center. Or you, contact, you do the research and contact them and, and apply for it and see if they could possibly get in. Because I'm going to tell you, when I tell you a couple of these stories about the black, I call them the black shirt people because they always blow black shirts and they're not supposed to talk to you, but I don't recall the rules, right? But anyway, um, the discipleship program is one of the best. I, you can only talk to them literally if you work the kitchen, so I always sign up to work the kitchen because they have a, a ministry there on their facility where people come in and eat every day. So I was talking to a guy named Tim this year. His mom was a successful real estate agent in Los Angeles. If I said the name, you'd probably remember it. Um, just mega millions of real estate sold. And he chose to drink. He was a deacon, whatever Presbyterians have, deacons or whatever they are. He was a deacon in their church, right? Well, he got hooked on alcohol, and he lost everything. And he said, this was my last resort coming to the Dream Center. He's been there for two years, and he's, he's been sober for two years now. And he told me, he goes, you know, it just took that one drink for me to start on that pathway. So children, don't ever do that, ever, ever, ever. Um, one time, and then I talked to another guy who was on meth. One time on meth, and he was there. Um, anyway, the Dream Center, Matthew Barnett, 39 Ministries. Um, another thing that we get to do, which is kind of different this year, um, we have these trucks. They back up like, imagine like a moving truck, about 10 of those. Every morning, you go out and you get this food that they've donated off these crates, and you bag it into bags so that you can go distribute it. Um, people drive up in the neighborhoods, and these really aren't that poor neighborhoods. I mean, they're just average people that can't afford food. Um, so we go out there, and we pass out food. They bring their shopping carts. They've already signed up and registered and, and everything, so they bring the shopping carts. Well, this year, it was kind of different. It was kind of like a Wendy's drive through so this friend of mine and I, we, we decided to do the drive-through, right? Because it's kind of physical and everything. But we also, somebody made the suggestion, why don't you ask the people in the cars if they want to pull up, if they have any prayer requests? So we, it was just like a drive-through. One man, one preacher drove up in a Cadillac Escalade, and I'm like, you're a preacher? Um, what are you driving a Cadillac for? But anyway, um, it did smoke a lot, so I guess it was old. But um, <laughs> anyway... So we're there, we're passing out food, and so there was this uh, Spanish man that came up, and he, he spoke real good Spanish, and, and I don't, and, and he was telling us his prayer because we can understand. I mean, could you say madre, padre, something, you know, mother, father? But anyway, he, um, so my friend is pr praying, and she said, she said, and dear Lord, we know there's a language barrier, and I lost it, y'all. I almost, took, I had to like pinch myself not to laugh out in this man's face in his car. Anyway, there were some very, 99 out of the 100 cars that drove through wanted prayer. So we spent a lot of time, Miss Virginia, in prayer that day. Um, all right, so Kids Jam. They do like a backyard Bible club every day in the same place every week, right? 
there's one of the largest Section 8 housing, and if y'all know what that is, that's the projects. Um, it's the, one of the largest west of the Mississippi is in Los Angeles. And they go there every week to minister to these kids. Can you imagine how many kids have been saved? They do games. It's just like Bible school in an, in an hour and a half. Well, what, the first year I went, this little boy, he goes, he was just sitting over there by himself. So I went over there and said, hey, do you want to color or something? He goes, well, I really need to do my homework. And I'm thinking, great. I don't know anything about school. But anyway, he goes, um, I'm having trouble with this multiplication stuff. So, I, you know, I thought, God, just help me. So I just sat there, and I told him, I said, how I learned. It may be wrong for you teachers in here, but he learned it. Um, I showed him how to do multiplication tables, and he was able to do it. I said, all right, do the next five. And he, and he did them, and he goes, I can do this. And I'm like, really? I'm like, keep on doing them. So just a little bitty thing to help somebody in those predicaments. Um, all right, let's talk about Skid Row. My attitude for Skid Row was, the first year I went out there in 2018 was, these people are here, they want to be here, they don't care. Well, you know, God really just slapped me right in the face and said, no, 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 no. Because last year when I went out there, there was a girl that was our leader, one of our leaders that led us around. We went to, to Skid Row again where all the homeless people live. Somebody said, are you not scared to go down there? Well, you know what? I pick up people off the street and take them to places. I picked a man up the other day and took him to Douglas. You know, I pray to God and say, God, if you don't want me to do this, just make my tires blow out or something. You know, but he always gives me peace about it, and I do it. But anyway, um, so no, I'm not scared to go there because I know God is in control. I mean, you have to be careful, and you have to be, you can't be stupid, but you, you just, I shouldn't use that word, but you shouldn't be careless. Um, so... You do have to be careless when you go out there, but at the same time, you, you got to know these people need to be reached. All right, let's go back to Cammie. So Cammie is walking around with us at Skid Row, and I didn't know this in, at the point. She goes, you know, I used to be homeless. I'm like, what? And she told me a little bit about, about her story, and believe it or not, I couldn't get the whole story out of her, but um, imagine that. So she said that she had came all the way from Texas to the Dreams to L.A. to live on the streets. So she's living on the streets, and she, somebody like me, a short-term mission, mission person came by and said, hey, have you ever heard of the Dream Center? And she goes, no, what is it? And she, they told them, gave her a bottle of water and told her what it was. Well, she got her phone, and she registered for, because the, everybody has a phone, even in L.A. on the streets, they have a phone. Um, so she gets out her phone, and she registers, and she's approved. Well, Cammie now, Cammie went through the Dream Center program. She worked there. And now she is a, a CNA in Los Angeles, out of the Dream Center, on her own. In fact, we still text each other. She texted me back in November. She had applied for a really, really good job. And she said, can I use you as a reference? And I thought, am I doing her? Am I doing right by this? And I thought, you know what? You, I can base this on your character because when we were out there, you treated us with the utmost respect, and you, you were so kind to us. She actually took a picture on the street where she... Um, was living. I said, Cammie, show me where you were living. Show me where your tent was. Because y'all, people just live in tents. It never rains in Southern California. Never. I mean, hardly ever. Um, anyway, so she showed me her tent, and now she's a full-fledged CNA living on her own in LA. So I thought, you know what, God? You just really opened my eyes to this. All right, a couple more things about um, Skid Row, Maria. So Maria is this little lady, she's probably 85, and she lives on the streets, and she um, 
had nowhere to go, you know, just from circumstances she was there. She didn't want to be there. She kept applying for Section 8 housing. We went to her little tent, and you normally don't even go in or you don't look in, but I kind of, like, peeked my head around. She had all these angels, and she told me that when they, they moved her from one street to another and they broke one of her angels, I'm like, oh, my goodness. But um, the, somebody at the Dream Center that was with us, one of the leaders, remembered what color fingernail polish Maria wanted, and she pulled it out of her. And I thought this girl was kind of stuck up and stuff, and I thought, she pulled that fingernail polish out of her pocket and said, here, Miss Maria. I started crying. I'm thinking, what an attitude I had about her that I did not need to have. And um, anyway, now Miss Maria has applied for Section 8 housing, and she is in Section 8 housing. All right, so some of the other things we did. A few years ago, we went out there, and we wrapped literally 1,000 Christmas presents. It was in November. 1,000 Christmas presents. And so, I, but I never asked, what do y'all do with these presents? But I guess I forgot and got busy with life and kids and grandkids and all that stuff. And um, so this year when we went, we went the week before Christmas, and they had all this carnival stuff set up. They had like a Ferris wheel. Kids, y'all would have died. I mean, it was almost like a wild adventure. They had a Ferris wheel. They had a roller coaster, a merry-go-round, a real hand-carved carousel, and then they had a, like a tilt-a-whirl, those washing machine things that you get in that you feel like you're in a washing machine. Um, they had those, and then, um, so I asked, you know, what is, how can they afford this? I mean, like, they're helping the homeless people, but I ran into, God just has a way of just setting me straight. He really does. I ran into the founder. This is, this is unheard of. I've, I've been out there four years, and I've never ran into the founder. He was just walking around making sure everything was done right, and I'm thinking, that's Matthew Barnett. I've seen him on a book before, and I've seen him preach. And um, he's, I said, this is awesome. So he started telling us that there is a, one company that donates all that stuff every year. They go out into these housing projects, into the Section 8 housing, and they bust these kids in. And for one day, they let them have a good time. Because these kids don't get to go to Disney World, even though it's right there in Los, near Los Angeles. They don't get to go to Wild Adventures. They don't get to go to this stuff. This is it for them. So um, that's another ministry that they do. All right. Um, he did invite us that night to come, but we didn't get back in time to come and do a preview of the rides, I guess, to make sure they didn't fall or something. Thank you a lot. But anyway, um, the food truck. So I mentioned the food trucks earlier. Well, I'm kind of like an organized, Donna's going to disagree with me on this, but I like things organized. Like when I do something, I like for it to be organized and in order. Well, the food truck that day had a lot of green beans. Y'all, I don't know what happened, but there were a lot of green beans. And I'm always the one to eat the stuff when we're putting it on the truck. I know you shouldn't, but I, and it hadn't been washed, I'm sure, but who cares? Um, and those green beans are so good. I thought, I need to get some of these for a snack instead of potato chips. Um, anyway, so we're doing the green beans. Well, they say, just load the other boxes in the truck and don't worry about them. I'm like, no, we got all these people. Let's back on. Oh, let's just do that later. And I'm thinking, okay, here we go. We're going to be out there sweating in that truck doing it. So anyway, we get out to the site. Well, the other people were doing, um, doing the food, putting them in the baskets for the people that come by in the buggies. Well, I got stuck on the truck bagging green beans. And here's why. Because this 22-year-old named Israel who did meth because their neighbor said, oh, you're going to have so much fun. He got hooked on it. The only way he got off of it was going to the Dream Center and doing that discipleship program. Well, I started thinking, 
he started telling me, you know, I just don't know about this. I've been doing this for two years. I don't know what God's will is. And I just told him, I quoted Jeremiah 29, 11 about the plans that God has for you, that he has a hope and a future, and he's not going to abandon you, basically. Um, and I just kept encouraging him, and I thought, you know, God, you put me on this truck today, right here, bagging these green beans for this purpose, to encourage Israel to press on and don't give up. Do not give up on it. All right, so that's enough about the Dream Center. Oh, I do have to tell you this one other story. So we moved here to Valdosta nine years ago from North Georgia near Chattanooga. Well, there was a girl last year that was leading us around in the neighborhoods, because you do go around and pray with people in neighborhoods. And um, so she was leading us around, and she said, y'all pray for my mother. She's on drugs. And I said, where are you from? She goes, Chattanooga, Tennessee. And I'm like, where in Chattanooga? She goes, East Ridge. Y'all, that is down the street from where Ava and Liam, my grandkids, were born, down the street. She was on drugs. I mean, she wasn't on drugs. Her mom was. But her youth preacher said, you're so messed up, you need to go to the Dream Center for a week and, and get release some of this stuff. Well, anyway, so this year, we are handing out flowers for the circus that I just told you about, the event, in a neighborhood, in a Section 8 housing. And this lady... You know how when you're walking, you just try to find something to talk about because it's kind of boring. But anyway, I asked this lady, I said, where are you from? She goes, Chattanooga. And I'm like, what? I said, there was a girl here last year from Chattanooga. She goes, yeah, that's my daughter. I'm like, oh, my gosh, is your name Amber? We've been praying for you for a year. She goes, yeah, I finally got into the program. She goes, I'm totally off of drugs. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding. All right, so... um, can I just say something about, since it is Pastor Appreciation Day, right, for Pastor Steve? Um, and I got to say something about Allison, too. So Allison, so two years ago in VBS, I'm teaching second graders, when so I had like 30 kids, right? Um, I forgot my glasses and left them at home. And I'm thinking, I can't teach without glasses. I can't even see the, the words. And I certainly don't have it memorized. And so um, I came up to Allison and said, Allison, I don't have glasses. She goes... Oh, see if mine will work. You can wear mine. So I, I think she had some that looked like these. They didn't have diamonds or anything in them. My kids didn't think anything weird. But, um, but Allison loaned me her glasses. I'll never forget that. Also, um, Tucker children, you've got a lot to live up to. Here goes. So the lady that I work with, I would have never met this lady except for that after-school program. Her husband used to be the band director in Tifton, Mr. Roundtree, right? So he was the band director, and I said, well, and I think Alice and I just talked about her being in the band because my kids were in the band, and, you know, that's what you talk about, right? So, um, and I said, who is your teacher? And she told me, and so I went back, and I said, Melanie, is that your husband? She goes, yes. And I, she goes, what's her name? And I said, well, I said, Allison. And then I texted Allison and got her maiden name, which was Osborne, which I forgot. But um, anyway, Allison Osborne, she goes, oh, yeah. Now, Tucker children, listen to this. I said, what kind of student was she? And she goes, she was the model student. So, and I just want to say thanks to, I know it's a team with Allison and Steve, and I know, I can't even imagine what y'all go through and how much y'all give, but I will tell you about a situation that we had with a friend, and it was a doozy. And I, I didn't know what to do. I told Allison, I just don't know what to do. This is above my pay grade. So I called Steve Tucker on a Saturday and said, we got a situation, and it was with a friend. And um, Steve came over to our house, and he got it resolved for us. And so that's what kind of, he's not only a good pastor, but he's also a good, I mean, not only a good preacher, but he's also a good pastor. 
in my opinion. And I just love it because they are just real people. They're not fake. I mean, their kids do the same thing our kids do. And I know I've taught every one of them except for Angus, but Angus did get to teach me last year in Awana. He came to my little Awana group and taught us. So, um, yes, he did and did a great job. Angus, you're turning red just like you do when your daddy talks about you. So, anyway, I have the privilege of, of, you know, just, I don't know. I just love kids. That's where my heart is. All right. One more thing about Steve Tucker. So this year, when they're getting ready to go with Wild Adventures for the youth, I see these three kids, and I'm thinking, they ain't part of this group, and I'm sure they ain't registered. But I'm thinking, I'm going to see how this is handled. So um, I just kind of hung around to see. Well, Steve was like, Steve was Steve. But anyway, he got them registered, and he showed them kindness, and he showed them love, and he showed them compassion. Who does that sound like? Jesus. Anyway, um, so... And Steve said this in church, but for those of y'all that weren't here a few weeks ago when he, he bullet-pointed the Wild Adventures trip, um, those three kids in the service trusted Jesus as their Savior. So that's what kind of a heart your preacher has. Um, and can I just say something? If you've not trusted Jesus as your Savior, like little Lily did when she was six years old, Lily believed that she was a sinner. She believed Romans 3.23. And if I, if I raised... If I had kids raise their hands, they could teach me this stuff right now. They believe that Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. They believe that Jesus died on the cross for their sin. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. 1 Corinthians 15.3 and 4. Every Iwana kid in here can quote this stuff, y'all. It's amazing. But anyway, they believe John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. They believe that. They believe Acts 16.31, and somebody quoted it for me this morning, um, believe on the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. I, I, it was Ellie, Darcy, it was Ellie. She, I said, Acts 16.31, she, she just said it right off. So, and they do it every week, right? Um, but I want to read y'all something that one of the, one of my, this is a God thing right here because we have a journal that we keep in Sunday school. I teach first through third grade and we keep a journal every week because I want them to go back and look at some of the stuff that they've learned over the years. Well, we normally do not tear our papers out of our journals because we want them to keep them there so they can take them home and reflect on it years later. Well, this little girl this morning tore her thing out, and y'all, it's, it's a God thing, because it ties in with all this stuff, because I asked them the question, if you, were to, if you were to go to heaven today, and you were to knock on heaven's door, and Jesus said, why should I let you in, here's the answer that this little girl wrote down, okay, I was, and most of them all had this answer, right, they all had this answer, but I was saved, and I believe in you, I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. You died on the cross for my sins. And that was little Adeline. I mean, they all wrote that down, but she tore hers out and gave it to me so that I would be reminded this morning, this is why we're here. This is why we do. Again, if you are interested in any of those ministries, the after-school program, let, let me know. I'll get you in touch with a person to go meet with the schools. Or if you're interested in um, the Dream Center, maybe getting a group from Liberty Baptist to go out there. It, it would, it's an eye-opening experience, but you are helping people. And one more thing about California, and then I'm going to close. California is, when I first started going out there, I thought, 
you know, those people are just weird. And, but the more and more I get to know people, they're people just like us. Just some of them are, you know, but there are people in Georgia like that but, that we don't agree with. But they, I just found out that people everywhere have big, most of them have big hearts. All right, let's see. I think that's it. Remember the little Lily. If you want to trust Jesus as your Savior, come up here and talk to Steve about it. He, he will walk you through that process. All right, let's pray. Dear Jesus, thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for this church. Thank you for Steve and Allison who pour their lives into people every day, every day. I can't even imagine. Thank you for them. I pray, God, that you will continue to encourage them, that you will continue to, to bless them in their lives. And thank you for their four great children that they have. Thank you for the opportunity that I get to teach some of them, and I thank you for that. I don't take that for granted. Thank you again, most of all, for dying on the cross for our sin. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.